righty. So, um, the, the, did I tell you I did I tell you I um, sold that track? You sold which? That track. That, oh, that, really? Yeah. That we have at the top. Uh, really? It's, it's a, a this little German. Uh, and it's it's like background music. I think it's an fantastic. But that's one that we sold. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's neat. Oh well, good. Is it going to show up in uh, like a what a what a commercial industrial TV show? What it's is a it? German movie. German movie. Yeah, yeah. It's a little German movie, and a, a guy Sweet. they contacted me, and they're like, you know, we, we want to buy. Uh, uh, All right. Uh, Thirty seconds of that of that of that cue. Nice. And I, and I was like, okay. Well, what, <laughs> now, now, now that's that gets sold on what marketplace? Um, I, 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 in grooves, I have a, I, I'm, I'm ASCAP and BMI. You can yeah. buy all of that stuff on in grooves. It's, in, yeah. it's on every digital platform on the planet, Spotify, yeah. iTunes, uh, uh, Google music, everything, all of our stuff is there. Fantastic. Uh, but that, that was neat. Now, actually, I have an agent who, who's actually hustling that stuff for me now. <laughs> Agents are a hell of a thing. A good thing. Because, you know, yeah, I used yeah. to, you know, yeah. with agents. You know yeah. how we had our issues sure. with agents. Yeah. You know, sometimes you need an agent. Yeah, you do. Yeah. yeah. yeah anyway, do. sorry. Oh, no. oh, good. That's that's cool. Congratulations. Yeah. All right. Well, we will uh, we will weigh in on the the uh, the Oscar nominees in a future show. Mm. Uh, we got a lot to deal with this week, and there's going to be some stuff going up on the Oscars on the uh, on the uh, then that it should already be up on the cinegods.com site. Uh, email us at gods at digigods.com. Go visit us at cinegods.com and uh, send us your vox boxes, whatever else. We've got one little piece of mail. That uh, I want to read right at the top of the show. I thought it was very uh, entertaining. From Chevelle Dixon. Wishes us a happy new year and says, I listened to the podcast and your discussion of Mother, and it got my interest peaked. So I decided to watch it and see what the fuss is all about. <laughs> <laughs> the, the saying, the saying, we love you, Chevelle. Uh, the saying, curiosity killed the cat comes to mind because this film nearly killed me. It was two hours of Aronofsky indulgence, and I can never get it back. Be glad you did not watch it, Wade. Sincerely, Chevelle Dixon. Thank you, Chevelle. Thank you, Chevelle. Yeah, thank uh, you, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> did, I, did that, was you, that you, me and you? It was you, me yeah, and Mark. No, no. Was it was, it was, you? Was, okay, yeah, okay. You, you, you uncorked on it, and yeah. I have not seen it to this day, and I, I'm not glad I'm not. That's so. another one I'm thinking Darren thought we would have been talking about around about now. <laughs> True. Darren. So we have uh, we got I got Kidvid we got some some more anime uh, we got some great trash some really good indie indie stuff uh, uh, but straight up I want to make mention of two really important criterions. Sometimes we like to save the criterions for later in the show, but this is this is a great twofer uh, because they're films you've probably never heard of. Most people have probably never heard of these, have never seen them. Uh, G.W. Pabst, really significant German director of the Weimar era that we often don't talk enough about because everybody focuses on Murnau. Mm. Uh, everybody focuses on Fritz Lang. Mm. You know, there are certain there are certain German directors that we just they're 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 the ones. And Pabst sometimes gets a little bit lost in the mix. Uh, God bless you, Criterion. They have gone and, and unearthed a couple of really important Pabst films uh, from the early sound era, when Pabst moved from silent into sound. He was one of those guys who really just killed it. And it's interesting because um, some of the others didn't really. Murnau is not a, you know, Murnau, when we think of Murnau, we think of silence. Yeah, when you think of Ross too. When you think of Fritz Long, you think primarily of silence and then of some American noir films and things like M, which is early silent, which of course is great, but, you know, did, did Fritz Long ever do anything like Metropolis? Yeah. No. 
So Pabst's uh, sound stuff has kind of gotten lost in the, the mix. The comedians is just one of the... Well, anyway. yeah. yeah. So, so uh, here's a couple from Pabst, one from 1930 and one from 1931, and they are both outstanding and amazing, and I ne- I've never seen either of them. Uh, West Front 1918, made in 1930 uh, in both German and French, is a World War I story that takes place in the trenches and deals with four soldiers just going through hell in the trenches. And uh, I'm going to say, you know, this is coming around right about the same time that you get All Quiet on the Western Front in the United States, mm. which won Best Picture. This is a better movie, mm. a, a much better movie. It has been restored. It has been rarely seen. It is beautiful in every conceivable way, 2K digital restoration. And um, there's also a, a French television broadcast uh, from 1969 that shows World War I veterans watching it. And it is devastating. It is just devastating. Um, film scholar Christopher Horak did an interview to talk about it and give you kind of some backdrop on it. There's also a new audio interview, uh, or, uh, relatively new, from the late 80s with uh, the guy who edited the film. Um, it's, uh, it's really it's quite an impressive film. It's called West Front 1918. Really, really good. And the other one, I'm, I'm going to mutilate the title, even though I'm half German, uh, Kameradschaft. Kameradschaft. This is from the following year, 1931. Uh, and it is, uh, it is about trapped miners. Uh, and uh, it, it's really, it's quite interesting. It is, uh, it's about trapped miners in Germany and in France. Uh, and uh, the, the miners are, you know, the, well, it's, it's French miners. It's the, well, okay, let me, let me take two, Wade. So it is, um, it's about a cave-in on the border between France and Germany. And the miners are French, and uh, the efforts to free them are, you know, take place on both sides. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, France and Germany have a, a real history behind them. West Front 19 obviously deals with much of that uh, from a World War One perspective. And then Kameradschaft gets into sort of the post-war relationship and uh, everything that is still lingering from World War One, and the, and how that sort of um, resonates now and how it affects the, their ability to cooperate to rescue these miners. It's really, mm. it's, it's very heavy. It's really heavy and it's quite provocative and it's a, it's a really thoughtful film uh, and much better than the freaking Chilean miner movie that oh, we had yeah. a few years ago yeah, with yeah. Antonio Banderas yeah, and... No, yeah. Gabriel Byrne playing Chilean. <laughs> it's, it was so uh, uh, Juliette Binoche playing Chilean. Is there anyone in here who's actually Chilean in yeah, this movie? Yeah, yeah even uh, Kate Del Castillo. She's Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, now I'm like, what? Crazy, you know. But anyway, uh, this is the Trap Miner movie to see. It really is tremendous. It's just a tremendous movie. I'm surprised that it's not more famous. Uh, this also was recently restored in 2K. Uh, has an interview with uh, film scholar Hermann Barth on uh, on the background of the film. Also, uh, the same. There's an interview with the same editor uh, as on the previous film, uh, and uh, an, an interview from 2016 with Jen Christopher Horak as well, giving some background on the film. It's really tremendous. So, Kameradschaft and West Front 19, uh, 1918, two tremendous films from Criterion on Blu-ray from the great German director G. W. Pabst. Very good stuff. All right. Uh, you know what? Let me let me. Uh, let me you got, you got, you got I, I some got stuff one you want to run through? Yeah, I got one more. I got one more to go through. Uh, well, actually, you know what? 
this is stuff I was hoping to get through last week. So let me let me plow through it just a little bit. I uh, got a couple of a couple of interesting little piles here. Uh, one is the uh, IndiePix Festival Favorites Volume Two. We didn't get Festival Favorites Volume One. They're supposed to still get it to us, so we're going to do this in reverse order, I guess, when they get us the Volume One. But IndiePix Festival Favorites from uh, IndiePix Films is uh, is just a nice little box set of three films of theirs that were uh, hits on the festival circuit, and uh, they're they're worth checking out if you're if you're a real indie person. IndiePix really is very much into intensely indie stuff. The films are Roaring Abyss by uh, Kino Pinheiro. Uh, Icons Among Us, Jazz in the Present Tense uh, by Michael Rivuara, Lars Larson, and uh, Peter J. Vogt from the uh, Paradigm Studios. And uh, Echo Tone, which is uh, the, the, the quiet fight for a louder future. Uh, a lot of great music in this. Uh, the um, you know Austin is known as the live music capital of the world, and uh, there's a lot of really just the music scene in Austin is 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 legendary. You know, before there was South by Southwest the film festival, there was South by Southwest the music festival. So uh, this is really uh, this is a great look inside the whole Austin Austin music scene. Uh, Echo Tone is uh, is worth a look, and then you know the other two jazz in the present tense is just ah. it's fantastic. Yeah. It's fantastic. I love jazz. I especially love, you know, real jazz. Is like that conversation from La La Land yeah. where, when she says to him, she goes, what about the jazz I know, like elevator music? <laughs> the, the, Gosling, Gosling's reaction in that moment is like he wants to scream. He goes, well, okay. Uh, I just watched it again the other day, by the way, for, right. the, eight, for the 18th time. That's how I know this. He goes, well, uh, okay. He kind of cocks his head like, I'm going to be really patient here. Be really patient. So anyway, this is real jazz. Icons among us, <laughs> and uh, and Roaring Abyss is uh, is about the music scene in Ethiopia, uh, Addis Ababa. It's an amazing music scene, and uh, you know we don't often get it here just because music from certain parts of the world, especially Africa and Asia, just doesn't make its way to uh, to the Americas. Yeah, well, so, you know, it got tainted by the notion of uh, world music some 25, oh, yeah. 30 years ago, that notion. Yeah. So rather, and so whenever you see music and it comes from someplace in the world, that yep. label gets dumped on it. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's so incredibly unfair because, it you is. know, it, 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 that's a made-up label. It's anyway, that was a marketing thing. And this is just music, you know, and uh, it's, it, so it, it's, and it's so hot. It's, it's so good. And then lastly, got a whole bunch of stuff here from uh, Uncorked Entertainment. Uh, Uncorked and uh, the people at High Octane Pictures uh, all being released together. This is schlock, and it's glorious schlock. It is, it is, this is at a certain level where people are spending no money just to have fun and make crappy movies that are, that are, that, <laughs> why not? Seriously, why not? Let's go nuts. So here, I'll go through them real quickly because uh, this stuff is, you put this on, this is what I always recommend to people. I've done this for years. If you're having a party, don't put on a, a, like a real movie. No. Put one of these on. Yeah. Because it's something to talk about. Yeah, and every time you look at the screen, something perfectly ludicrous will be <laughs> happening. happening and like, people what will. The hell? It's a conversation starter. People will laugh. Nobody will know what's going on. They won't recognize anyone on the screen and they will have no idea what's going on. Antimatter. Antimatter is probably the most legit film of all of them. Anyway, uh, antimatter. Antimatter. Anti it's like Alice in Wonderland with with just all kinds of weird kind of uh, you know modern sci-fi concepts. Um, Cold Moon is a uh, a revenge thriller. Actually, Cold Moon is is interesting because of uh, some of the people involved. Uh, there are some quite legit people who had a hand in this film. 
oddly enough. Uh, so it, it's worth uh, it. This one might be actually worth checking out. Okay, now we're getting totally nuts. Circus Kane. This is just a raw, naked attempt to take advantage of it. It's, it's gotta, funny because I got it over here. We're going to yeah. talk about it, and they're like, you know, killer clown, red balloon, plaster it right on the cover, and uh, spend like a buck ninety to to make it look a little bit horror. The artwork for that box cost it, more than that movie. <laughs> it probably did. Uh, it's absolutely hysterical. Baltazar Kane is the, is the 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 evil villain here. Anyway, Circus Kane, hilarious, really hysterically funny. Uh, the ice cream truck. Welcome to the neighborhood. Okay. You know, in, in, in a certain way, though, I am happy that there is a space again for these films. Oh, I am Because there was a space for these films when we were kids. Sure, in the 1970s? Yeah, in the 70s and stuff like that. There was a space. Yeah. And that kind of went away for a while. The, the VHS... Happen and all of that kind of, and then and all, yeah. and then everything got all sophisticated there for a while. But now there's a space for the stuff again, and you can make a buck ninety five movie. He's a murderous ice cream, which truck, is great man. because that's where people need to learn how to make movies. Sure, learn how to make movies making one of these damn things. By the way, like we should point out, Sam Raimi and Peter Jackson started Thank by you. making these movies. Thank you. Yeah, you know, Tobe back in the day, you yeah, know, and all this kind of. That's where they learned to make movies. He's an ice cream truck guy, and he kills people. Yeah, what more do you need to know? Because technically, they all are all ice cream. Truck guys and then we people. have Friday the 13th. Oh, oh no, no, it's not Friday the 13th, it's the 13th Friday. <laughs> the 13th Friday, <laughs> as if that's gonna avoid the lawsuit. Oh, it's too funny. Uh, not that it has anything to do with Friday the 13th. Um, so it, anyway, this is this is actually much more Clive Barkery kind of stuff. It's yeah. so funny. Uh, it really is. Uh, it's like you know, there, there, it's a, there's a there's a you know. Uh, an orb that sort of opens up the demonic domain, kind of like the little square in the Hellraiser movies. Uh, here we go. An American werewolf in... Oh, no, no. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I got that wrong. Carnivore, werewolf of London. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just love that you know, they're, they're sitting around and they're looking at all these movies and they're like, how can we rejigger this it's title? so great. Anyway... Uh, yeah. What am I? What am I gonna tell you? It's a London. And there's a werewolf. And there it is. It's done. And you know, you look at some of the. You just they did on. that in porn for years. By the way, they would take Great. a movie and just oh, you know, yeah. rename it. And, and as if we didn't have enough killer clowns, Tim. Yeah. Clowntergeist. <laughs> Come on. He's a clown and a ghost. He's the, a ghost clown. The reason you're afraid of clowns. Clowntergeist. No, actually, the reason I'm afraid of clowns is because they're just creepy to begin yeah, with. Yeah. And it freaks me out even more. But if you want to add to it, sure, why not? Uh, the clown makeup in this thing is just fabulous. Uh, so anyway, it's, this is all about a, about a girl who has a... She's just terrified of clowns. She's absolutely terrified of clowns. And um, the, she winds up having her own little it experience all by herself, and uh, it's 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 a complete takeoff on it. It's just absolutely fantastically funny. And then the last one is sightings. They see you. Uh, this is basically paranormal activity all reduced to a to a, a schlocky exploitation film. Uh, shot in the middle of nowhere, and God bless them for it because it just makes it all the, all that much better. Oh, so, a uh, whole lot of fun there. Uh, sightings, Clountergeist, Carnivore, Werewolf of London, The 13th Friday, The Ice Cream Truck, Circus Kane, and then the two that are a little bit more legit, Cold Moon and uh, Antimatter. So, a lot of fun.
what one will find in those movies um, um, occasionally, you know, or even yeah. even more than occasionally, is some good directing and some good acting. The, um, I, you I, will find I, that yes, as will. much as we make fun, you know, yes. uh, which is of course what everybody is doing. Everybody's trying. To, all those actors are trying to just create a good scene for their reel. You, you're, you, you're, and you have no resources, so you have to somehow stretch a dollar in some really creative ways. Look, you watch some of that early Sam Raimi stuff. You watch again the early Peter Jackson stuff. Yeah. They're stretching a buck. Yeah. And know. nobody would nobody in their right mind would have said, Oh, this person's gonna go on to do uh No, you don't. But but they're 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 cutting their teeth. Yeah, and, and learning learning how to actually do it. Yeah. Uh some uh yeah. new new new, new newbies new. here, uh, new releases. Let's do the new releases. Uh, uh, and here we are, you know, we're talking about the you know, we're gonna talk in the future. I I, I I thought maybe there in the back of my my head there might have been a chance that there would have been some talk about last Flag flying, Steve Carell, Cranston, and, and, and Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. The movie, the movie doesn't come together. It doesn't. Um, Brian Cranston is, is the weak oh, link he's in the film. So over the top. Uh, but but Larry Fishburne and 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 Steve Carell are actually pretty solid in this movie. This movie gets me by the time it's about these three guys, old soldiers from Nam. Yeah. Uh, and one of they them come has, to, they come together yeah. for we shouldn't we shouldn't say exactly why they're coming together because yeah, that's a, that's I guess, a part of it. yeah yeah but there's a reason why they they come together all these years later and it's it yeah it yeah the great Cicely Tyson um, it's a really powerful movie in certain ways it's got some really good stuff in but, it I, you know I, I think I mentioned from, last show that something about these movies are not doing what yeah. they did for us in our youth this would be this would have been Gardens of Stone it would have been yeah. Uh, it would have back been. in the day. Sure. I here here's what my feeling was. I while I was watching it during our award season rush, I was thinking, okay, this is this is this is obvious casting to me. Oh yeah, the crusty old guy, Brian K- Cranston. Uh, you know, the crusty old guy who's you know sexist and will say anything and he still thinks he's, you know, he's he's just a he's a he's the canary in the coal mine. He's Brian Cranston. Okay, well that's obvious. Uh, the introverted guy who doesn't want to say much, you know, who's still carrying a lot of baggage. Okay, Steve Carell. Sure, yeah, he can be mousy. And oh yeah, who's who? Who went and turned all preacher? Mm. Uh, and who's still got a big, got got a big chunk of nom left in him, and he's got to keep it to uh, keep it tucked under. Oh sure, Lawrence Fishburne. It's more interesting to me mm. if you rotate those actors, move, move, move that around, move yeah. that around, yeah. make Lawrence Fishburne the, the 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 bar owner, the Cranston guy, make. Make Steve Carell the preacher, and, you know. And, 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 make or, Lawrence Fishburne, or, or, or maybe, and maybe, maybe, maybe tuck Lon, uh, Cranston into that collar. Sure, or 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 make Lawrence Fishburne the introvert. You know, he's such an imposing figure with that deep voice. Sure, that's an obvious thing to make him the preacher, but make him the guy who can't quite, you know, who has to sort of come to the others and who has who has issues. Yeah, let him stretch. Yeah. Let's see what they do. That would have been more interesting to me. Yeah, that's already a better, uh, you know, a more interesting, yeah. more, 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 you know. Uh, just, just but we're remaking the, the movie. It's not the movie yeah, they, they made. They, they, so. they popped in their head the way it popped into yeah. their heads. Uh, the 4K Ultra HD version of the Lego Ninjago movie. Now, here's the thing about that, <laughs> about this movie. I saw this movie in theaters, right? Yeah. Uh, for, you know, for the show. And this movie almost made my head explode. I'm sitting next to a two-year-old or maybe a four-year-old. I can't tell the real difference between a two and a four-year-old. But whatever. And I got kids all around me. It was one of, it was one of those, uh, you know, bring your kids screens. Yeah. You know? yeah. And this movie starts fast 
and gets faster. Uh. It's kind of funny in its premise. Ninjago is a place, uh, and you have these uh, these characters that are constantly saving uh, this place, Ninjago. Yeah. This, you know, and it's coming every time. And and, and these kids, uh, uh, they're actually high school kids uh, by by day, and then yeah. they're Ninjago by night and every yeah. day. And there's this little thing that's going on where one of the central kids, his father. Uh, is the, the thing that keeps attacking the city every yeah. day. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Lloyd, it's Lloyd, you know. And it's just, it's sort of funny in that way if they would just slow it all down a bit. And I know that this is stupid because yeah. I'm old and yeah. this is not meant for my, you know, eye shutter ability. <laughs> this is meant for kids. So yeah. I think kids are really, really going to love it. I mean, I don't know. Hero? Is this a hero movie? No, no, no it's not. It's too fast. Too, uh, too fast. Yeah, okay. yeah well, much too fast. Uh, I'm looking forward to taking her to see Early Man, the new Nick Park thing. Oh that's yeah, what I'm looking forward to. So, you know. But yeah, no, that that that's way too fast and frenetic for her. She likes everything a lot slower. Uh, but but uh, yeah, so well, well I, 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 none of that Lego stuff. It's all too fast for me. Yeah, yeah, it makes my makes makes my eyes want to bleed. Uh, I'm not. I was never a fan of the Jigsaw films. Yeah, uh, this is Jigsaw. The game continues. From the uh, Saw series. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from yeah. the Saw series uh, uh, there. I, mean, I was never a fan of the Saw films, I yeah. should say. And, and whatever. I mean, if you like this stuff, you like this stuff. If you don't, you don't. Anyway, this is a two-disc set, uh, Blu-ray. with a, 4K. Uh, 4K with uh, audio commentary on it. So, you know, you're into it or you're not. I'm not. Uh, 4K Ultra HD for Blade Runner 2049 is a dazzling thing to watch. If you if you want to see what HDR can do, if you've got a high dynamic dynamic range setup and you want to see exactly how much more you get out of HDR and 4K than you did out of Blu-ray, this is the movie. Mm. Uh, It's got everything in it that will stretch that to the max. It is impressive on an unbelievable level. Uh, Deacons... You know, he I killed thought it. We, I thought you look. I mean, this yeah, this yeah. this will be his Oscar film. I we, predict. Yeah, uh, this will be his Oscar film. Well, Dunkirk. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, it could be. But anyway, Deacons Deacons just nails it here. Uh, as for the movie itself, uh, let's talk about the movie. We wrote about the movie quite a lot over on the over on we the uh, website, and you know, people should go check that out. Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Did it need to be made? Not at not look. When it was announced, I was sure it needed to be made. Yeah. Right? And then it happens, and I'm absolutely positive it didn't. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's, that's what happened to me on that day. And for one thing, look, uh, homage is one thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, this film uh, is almost a duplication of Blade Runner with, with present-day technology and scale. Uh, so you know, present day technology and scale. But the, anyway, go ahead. I, I have well, I have a whole weird take on this that nobody else has, and that and that is that on the one hand, it is it's regurgitating all the same themes of you know identity and all that stuff that was more or less tackled and and sufficiently settled with the first film. And I don't know that we needed to to go to this place. But the other thing is. It's also at the same time not really a Blade Runner movie. Mm. It's two hour. It's 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 nearly three hours long, uh, and the direction is very very different. You know, uh, Denis Villeneuve, who did Arrival and a lot of other ma- great films, and Sicario, uh, Sicario, yeah. um, Sicario. Um, is an amazing director, uh, an amazing French Canadian director. Um, but my theory is that he was not making so much a a Ridley Scott sequel here. 
uh, he was not so much making a Phil K. Dick story as he was making a Tarkovsky sequel mm. and a a Stanislav Lem film. Mm. You know, this feels more like a like it belongs in the universe of Solaris and Stalker. Yeah, but but, but 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 Solaris, you know, yeah. as opposed to the Soderbergh, not yeah. the but yeah, the, correct, yeah. 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 And, and it just feels more like one of those kinds of movies. Now, whether that's conscious or not, I don't know. But in any case, um, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Uh, Gosling is terrific. Um, it, it, you know, I, I, just it's, but it just doesn't feel necessary. Yeah, uh, yeah, there it is. Uh, uh, and 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 I think that the audience sort of responded to it in the same way. It is a delightful thing to watch. Yeah. literally watch, see. Uh, and delight in all of, of yeah. what you're seeing, uh, but at the end of it all, you know a few things. Yeah, they you know they sort of divulge a few things, yeah. uh, but you don't feel yeah. like I anyway. didn't I didn't feel at the end of that the way I felt at the end of Blade Runner. I did not either. Like I had had a, you know a transformative cinematic experience. No. no, this was just a big old movie. Yeah, yeah. you know what are you gonna do? Hey, it. We were just talking about all those clown oh movies gosh. before. Well, this is the one that actually worked. <laughs> and you uh, know, did you think it would? Uh, no. I didn't either. For one thing, I didn't think anybody could do as well as Tim Curry. Right. Uh, you know, from the 1990, whatever it was. Yeah. Tim Curry was absolutely extraordinary oh. in that. And, of course, there's the book. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, my wife was a big fan of all of these books. I remember yeah. buying this, her this book as a heart. It's a hardback book way back in the 80s. But, but, in, but in fact, uh, Bill Skarsgård's performance in this movie, while you, uh, you know, it's, it's different from Tim Curry's. Yeah. Uh, in Has terms of be. technology and things that they could do, Tim Curry is still fantastic. But uh, but this was this is this was pretty damn good, man. It, I, and I was quite surprised. I was shocked, uh, be, and, and and I'm I was grateful. And here's the thing: I when I heard they'd making a movie out of it, I thought, well, that's a big story. I mean, there's there's the kids stuff and there's the adult stuff. You know, they're two two huge separate stories to this. Everything that happens when they're kids and when they're adults, and the TV miniseries is like six hours long. Mm-hmm. It's long. It, it really, it really gives you an epic, an epic saga. And uh, I thought you're, you're gonna, you're gonna totally cheat me if you try to do that with this movie. And then I realized while watching it, oh, this is just the kid portion. Mm-hmm. They're setting. They're, they're gonna do the other one in, a, in like a year or two. Great. Very bright. I'm in. Yeah. Very smart. I was yeah. glad you're not gonna try to. And uh, and I wasn't aware of that going in, so it was nice to discover that. I saw this with Lael, one of our Film Week uh, colleagues. Yes. Lael and I saw this in Ray's class. Ray wanted us, you know, he invites, for those who don't know, our friend Ray Green, a colleague on, on uh, Cine Gods. Ray, uh, Ray teaches a class at LMU and uh, invites his friends and colleagues in every once in a while to talk about the movies that he screens. And so he had Lael and me in to, to talk about it um, that week. We were also on film week to review the film, mm-hmm. so he wanted us to see it in his class so we'd have a spontaneous reaction for the, for the kids, so forth and so on. Uh, I kid you not, Lael, about a half an hour in, nearly jumped into my lap. Um, <laughs> I nearly jumped into the lap of the kid that was sitting next to me. There was some, you know, 19-year-old next to me. I don't know who she was, but I, 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 I nearly assaulted her right then and there in the theater. Oh, I'm sorry. I did not, didn't know what I was doing. Uh, it, it scared me the daylights out of me. It's and I know movie. the story. It's a neat movie. You know, it's great. It, it, but well realized. Yeah. Uh, deleted scenes on this 
and extended scenes on this. So even if you've seen it 4K. already, 4K. Yeah, and it's in 4K. So even if Pennywise will already, be getting in your face in 4K. Yeah, dude, tap it up again. That's you know, yeah. that's one I can like recommend, uh, recommend, yeah. recommend yes, right there for sure. Um, dude, November Criminals. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz and Ansel Elgort, who of course was the Baby Driver. Why is he doing another Baby Driver movie? And, and, and this is like, this is kind of the same movie. More or less, you know, <laughs> one of these kind of things. And what are his agents thinking? I, what I don't get is how it's, it's, it's how a movie with her and him in it don't get a theatrical release, a significant uh, domestic, you know, yeah. U.S. theatrical. But, you know, there it is. It's getting tough out there, man. I know it is. It's crazy. But his, if I were if I were in his shoes or if I were his parents, whoever's, whoever's pulling the strings, I'd, I'd, have a, I'd have a real sit down with the agents, and I would say, baby driver, good move. But you know what? Um, let's stretch a little bit. Yeah. Find, find me some more interesting stuff where I'm not pursing my lips all the time. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, you know, yeah, yeah. He's got that one manner, and uh, it's, it's that one expression, and it's not, he's got to stretch. You got to give this well, kid some know, more the problems. He was in that movie, you know, the the, the fault in our stars, yeah, and the problem yeah. of this young young man. And I said it on on, on the show, and I'll say it again: uh, learn to act. Uh-huh. It, look, man, you got like this shot. Learn to act, become yeah. better. Yeah, uh, and because you know, you could do he could do this for another three or four sure. movies, and then that's over, dude. Yep, people are gonna get sick of that crap soon. Yep, uh, but you know, whatever. Friend request. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. This was. This is one of those little scary. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, it's you know, horror movies. You know, uh, college students and all this kind of stuff. Um, it, 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 good enough, I, but you know, not particularly, not particularly good in in, in the realm of these films. Could have been yeah. better, nevertheless. Um, special features on here. A a little uh, behind the scenes movie thing. I didn't watch it. I don't know anything about it. So friend request, a little horror movie. And then this gangster thing, Gangster Land, uh, by uh, Timothy Woodward Jr. Uh, this is mostly forgettable. Peter Facinelli is, you know, really the only significant name in here. Jason Patrick shows up, but um, it, it it it's it's not. This takes place in the night during Prohibition, 1920s. It's all about a, a boxer that's recruited by uh, Al Capone. Uh, it, it it just you know we we had a whole bunch of these. Remember there were mm. there was like uh, mobsters yeah. and and then there were Bugsy and uh, what was it? Billy Bathgate. Yeah, there yeah, was a yeah. there was a whole bunch of them all set around the same bunch of characters: Bugsy Siegel and 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 uh, Capone and Meyer Lansky. And we had we had a whole bunch of those for a moment in the nineties. And uh, it's kind of tired. Yeah. Uh, I I you know I get it. Woodward wants to kind of you know flex some muscles and make a period piece and uh, you know deal with that whole era and the valentine's day massacre and all that but uh, honestly it's there's no room for this movie it just there's no room for it um Facinelli's okay uh jason patrick's largely wasted we also have rendell dark vengeance uh, from a series yeah uh, it's Danish. a it's a it's a it's this Finnish? is from finland yeah Finch, it's from yeah. finland it's a superhero movie from finland uh, and you know it's funny. I just <laughs> speaking of, I spent I spent about twenty minutes uh, yesterday. I wasted twenty minutes, I should say, trying to make a, a, a Blu-ray purchase online. Now you're thinking, Wade, why would you take twenty minutes to make a Blu-ray purchase? This is why, <laughs> because I found out that in 2016, one of my all-time favorite films, the three-hour and 15-minute Finnish war epic Talvi Sota uh, from 1989, that is officially the most advertised, it, the movie with the, the most expensive Oscar campaign in the trades in history. They took out more ads for Talvi Sota 
in Variety and The Hollywood Reporter than have ever been taken out for any other movie ever. Every mm. day for five months, there was an ad saying, Talvi Soda, Talvi Soda, Talvi Soda. <laughs> Didn't get a single nomination, not yeah. even a foreign language film. It's still a great film. It's about the Winter War uh, in 1939 when Stalin attacked uh, Finland to yeah. try to annex it. And nobody paid attention because everybody was preoccupied with Hitler. Uh, right? So no one paid attention to the fact that Stalin and Finland are, are at war. Involved in this little intraday scene, yeah. Oh, it was, it's, it's, it, what, what the Finns went through was horrible, absolutely horrible. It's a devastating movie. Uh, and like I think the entire Finnish army shows up as extras. It's a tremendous epic. Anyway, Talvi Sota, The Winter War, out in a 4K restored Blu-ray. I had to get it. You, can, you don't get the German one. The German one looks like crap. You got to get it from the Finnish sites. Well, it co- if you go to Amazon UK, it costs, you know, like 35 euros. Yeah. No way I'm going to pay that. But from the Finnish sites, it's 10 euros. Oh. The problem is I have to use Google Translate to figure out what every single field on that page means. <laughs> so I'm going back and forth, cut, paste, cut, paste, name, address, okay, credit card number. At the end of it all... Credit card declined because my credit card people think that this is some fraud thing. Somebody's <laughs> buying something in Finland. In Finland, yeah. I gave up. It was a wasted 20 minutes. But anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll try it again today. Anyway, Rendell, Dark Vengeance. That brings us back around to a Finnish superhero. Uh, uh, so anyway, there's this corporation called Vala, and uh, they've invented this vaccine that uh, that has... Horrible repercussions, and Rendell is the superhero who declares war against Vala. And uh, you know what? It's uh, it's not like an American superhero movie. It has some it has some real production value behind it. It, it it's promising uh, for a franchise. I could see them doing something with this, and I am very impressed by the filmmakers involved. This is not what I normally expect out of Finland, which tends to make very artsy traditional period films about, you know, World War II mm. and, and uh, you know, coming-of-age movies. And Finnish movies are very good, but they just don't travel very well. This could travel. So look for Rendell, Dark Vengeance. Very interesting. Uh, the Square, which is an... Oh. You, you, this, this is this little wacky film that people were talking about a little while ago. It was... Won the Palme d'Or. Yeah, it did. Uh, um, it won the Palme d'Or at Cannes. Uh, was expected to be more of a foreign language hit than I think it. Then it turned out to be. Elizabeth yeah. Moss is in it from uh, Handmaid's Tale and Teller. Uh, it's set in the art world. It's, it's kind of poking fun at the art world. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a satire. Yeah, um, it's Swedish. It, the, uh, the the square in question is a, it's all related to a to a museum and modern art yeah, and, and the, the, the idea of this art space yeah. called the square and this curator guy who's doing this thing with it and he has this interview which is really very funny it, that interview, interview with is Elizabeth, great with Elizabeth Moss yeah that's very funny he gets involved in this sort of odd little relationship with her that goes a little bit sideways and then he starts to go a little bit sideways and it's and it's 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 mocking a whole bunch of things. And, and and I think a lot of people didn't get that it was making fun of these See, things. The satire you know. is very subtle. Yeah. And uh, this is one of those movies that does well at Cannes. Underground by Emir Kusturitz is another one, mm. uh, which is actually coming out soon from Criterion, by the way. But, uh, yeah, this is one of those films that does well at Cannes because I think foreign audiences and juries tend to understand it more than Americans who will sort of cock an eye and go, yeah. 
Should I be laughing? I think I think I think American audience just took it a little too seriously yeah, in terms of you know what sure. it had. Anyway, whatever. It's it's yeah. it's sort of neato. Dominic Weston also. This has a few special features on it, including some behind the scenes stuff and some casting tapes and whatever. Yeah. Uh, Claude Autant Lara, Four Romantic Escapes from Occupied France. This is the uh, wonderful release from Criterion's Eclipse series. Um, you know, we, we were getting a lot of Eclipse releases for a long time, and then they kind of stalled, and a lot of people were emailing me and asking me, is the Eclipse line done? Is it finished? And so I emailed them, and they said, no, 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 no. We got, we're still working on stuff. Uh, and the thing is, every Eclipse release is a boxed set. Mm. So there are multiple movies that they are cleaning up and, you know, this kind of stuff. And and they don't come with extras, so they're paying attention to the transfers. Uh, and Claude Autant de Ra is a is a he's a contemporary of the um of the, the directors who inspired the the new wave. So he was there with Melville and a lot of these other guys. Uh, and and kind of gets lost during the new wave period. Um and, uh, you know, mostly what he's primarily known for are, are, are very sort of opulent comedies. Um, and you could probably compare him a little bit to Sturges or Lubitsch in some ways. But um, anyway, he, uh, he made some very interesting films. And these are four romances, uh, four basically period romances that were made during the occupation uh, in 1942 and 43, and then the last one was made after the war, Sylvie and, uh, et le Fantôme. Uh, the other three, Lettre d'Amour, Douce, and Le Mariage de Chiffon. Um, really very clever films, very enjoyable, and uh, a wonderful discovery. So, uh, you know, if you're not familiar with Claude Autant Lara, this is Eclipse Series 45 from the Criterion Collection. Um, definitely check it out for really interesting films and uh, a wonderful, you know, the film that we mostly think of from this particular period from the occupation is, uh, is, is uh, uh, The Children of Paradise. And um, it's nice to get a little broader idea of the other films that were being made during the same period, especially by a filmmaker that we're often uh, not exposed to sufficiently. So yeah. it's very, very nice. Claude Autant Lara, Eclipse Series 45, Four Romantic Escapes from Occupied France. Felicité. I love uh, this movie. Yeah, it's a really, really love powerful this movie. movie set in Kinshasa. This uh, is from a, the from a Senegalese French filmmaker. Yeah, who uh, his, whose uh, career has mar- mostly uh, split the difference between you know French and Senegalese sensibilities, and uh, I just think this is a great movie about about this young woman. Uh, she's a singer. She's working in the capital. Uh, uh, her son uh, is in a car accident, and and it's about what she has to do. Yeah, excuse <coughs> me, to she, get the money to, to and she to you save know her she, son. And she has a she has you know a, an interesting relationship with this uh, repairman, this uh, kind of handyman who keeps who keeps uh, saying you know why don't you marry me? What do you got to lose? Real lo- real real smooth talker. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> but she's uh, she's you know just uh, she's fiercely loyal to her son and. She She's devoted, and uh, the, a very famous Senegalese singer is, is the actress in this, and she is she, she just tears it up. I, I reviewed this for CineGods.com. You should go and check out my review there. Um, it's a it's a really wonderful, powerful film, uh, and and, a, and one of the few films that sort of looks at um, uh, at at the urban family dynamic in uh, in a certain part of uh, of East Africa. So it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Uh, Stefan Zweig, Farewell to Europe, uh, another very, very good film about uh, that writer 
uh, Grand Budapest, uh, Budapest Hotel, Hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, your, your film, uh, Wes Anderson's film, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and during his period when he was in exile, um, uh, during the war, uh, again, a very, very, very powerful film, very psychologically uh, uh, penetrating film um, that you should just see. Um, this is a DVD from First Run Features, and I was no, I thought I, it, it's it, it had it's in German, English, and Portuguese, and French, and Spanish with subtitles. But there, I thought that there was a commentary track, but there is not. Ah, well, should be, yeah. So I got some good Blu-rays here. Uh, let me go through this little uh, this little stack here. First of all, and they're not my kinds of movies necessarily, but uh, these are they're all worth. They're all, they're all, they all have historical or archival value. Raro Video uh, now distributes through um, uh, Kino. And uh, they keep finding these really interesting, primarily Italian movies from uh, the 70s in particular. Uh, so Raro Video went and unearthed the Fernando Di Leo-directed movie La Seduzione. You should be able to translate that all by yourself. <laughs> Uh, so the, this stars Maurice Ronet, who a lot of people probably know from, from Purple Noon, uh, if you're a fan of that, um, uh, who plays this, uh, this cad who goes back to Sicily at, after his father passes away, and he there gets involved in this, this, you know, this kind of, uh, this romance with a certain woman played by, uh, Lisa Gastoni, and, uh, that then dovetails into uh, some some of that usual Italian stuff that you get where it feels a little bit exploitative, um, it's a little bit artsy, and then it goes real dark in a very strange way, and you, you, know, you sort of don't see it coming at you from left field. A lot of films, Italian films in this period, still feel to me like they're trapped between being... Uh, soft core and being legitimately art, art films. house, yeah, art yeah. house, and this is one of those. Uh, it, you know, it, it, you're like this is trashy, but there's something going on, and it's really well made, but it's still trashy, and I kind of don't, I don't feel like I should be liking it as much as I am. Uh, so it's an interesting artifact from 1973, uh, La Seduzione. Um, Fernando De Leo, you know, never quite gets a lot of respect, but it, it, you know, Raro, Raro picked a good one here. Um, we've also got a film by a director I am not a fan of. Arturo Ripstein is not one of my favorite people. Uh, Time to Die from Film Movement Classics, however, is you kind of gotta, you sort of gotta give this some props because Gabriel Garcia Marquez wrote the screenplay. And, uh, it, even though I am not a fan of Ripstein, um, it's it's quite a it it's it's quite an interesting film. Uh, this is basically a Mexican western, and uh, this was made in 1966 when westerns were either of one variety, the American, or the other, the spaghetti western. You were either the Italian or the American, and nobody was really making anything that didn't sort of fit either the one mold or the other, the John Wayne mold or the Eastwood and Franco Nero mold. Uh, this is a third way. And it's very interesting because you watch this and you realize that a lot of what Ripstein was doing here kind of informs Peckinpah. And Peckinpah clearly is very aware of this and integrates a lot of uh, Ripstein's style into his own work, in, into his own work. So, um, because there's a moment when Peckinpah really kind of changes. Mm. So, it, 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 it is worth checking out. It's, it's very interesting. It's got, you know, revenge and all the usual stuff that you get in, in, in any Western. Um, but it's... Uh, 
it's extremely, ex- extremely interesting. And the script by uh, Marquez is is really literate and very, very strong. Uh, there's even a video introduction by uh, Alex Cox, who apparently only does introductions now, doesn't make his own movies anymore. Don't know what the problem is there. Mm. Uh, and then there is a commentary by Ripstein and one of his actors, Enrique Rocha, and uh, a really interesting essay by Carlos Gutierrez, who co-founded Cinema Tropical. So this is Time to Die from Film Movement Classics on Blu-ray, and very deservedly so. Ah, interesting. This is an interesting film here, The Untamed, Amada Escalante film, uh, uh, debut yep. film, right? Mexican film, yep. right? This is this is this is this is a sort of psychological science fiction thriller. Um, uh, you have this couple, this little family there, and this uh, sort of relatively speaking uh, unhappy marriage, a meteorite fault. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, and, uh, we, we, and, and we end up in a situation where a, 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 a woman comes into their life and tells them about this, about this hut out in the woods that they should go to. And they go out to this hut in the woods, and there's this creature in the hut. Oh, no. Related to that meteorite. <laughs> and... Uh, it becomes a very odd movie. I'll put it to you this way. It's the kind of movie where each of the principal actors in, in, in the film yeah. have to play several characters. Uh, 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 they, they play their primary character mm-hmm. and then other characters, and there's a perfectly reasonable reason why that's happening. So it's kind of neat, uh, and I like it quite a lot. Um, uh, Blu-ray here, behind-the-scenes documentary, which is really kind of neat, because when you watch the doc, it makes the movie make a whole lot more sense. Uh, the Untamed, very sexy, very sexual film. Um, uh, you know, it'll stick in your head for quite a while. Uh, and uh, we also have uh, In Her Name... Here, Daniel Otoul. Otoy. Otoy. I'll just get, let you say all the French names. <laughs> uh, uh, it, it, anyway, uh, um, it, it, it's, it's about a guy who's trying to bring justice to, to his daughter who died under uh, the circumstances, and it's been 27 years, and he, and he intends to get justice for his daughter. It, you know, this is, this, is, this, is, um, this is pretty intense and exciting stuff. Uh, it, it, it's, set in, it's set in 1982. His daughter's 14 years old. Uh, when she's killed, when she's on a, on, on vacation with her mother in in, in, in Germany, and uh, and he's just uh, convinced that her death was not an accident, and he's gonna he's gonna figure out what the hell happened, um, and it's based on a true case. Beautiful, yeah. So powerful stuff there. Uh, I, mi- I miss getting lo- I, I miss getting a lot of great Daniel Atari movies yeah. here, and uh, you know new new ones. Uh, I got a few Blu-rays here from uh, Kino. One is The Wound. Uh, by uh, John John Trengov. Um, you know what? This is a South African film that I'm not really fond of. I respect what they're trying to do, uh, but I, I just I can't I can't get with this movie. It's just uh, deeply upsetting. Uh, the it's uh, shot in the Shosa language, and it deals very specifically with a tribe in South Africa where yeah. there is a. A, a a a coming of age circumcision ritual rituals man that to this day goes on where these young men go up into the yeah mountains. this is male so not fem- yeah yeah uh, this is but this is men like grown men like you're when you're when you're you know 13 years old or whatever you go yeah. up into the mountains and you where the where the grown men take a take a a, a dirty rusty knife I'm to your sitting, people can't see me but I'm shaking and I'm yeah, I'm, I was I'm just so like... upset with this movie uh and they they give you the, the the mother of all circumcisions and then you have to sort of you you get someone who's sort of your guide your uh yeah. your your counselor or whatever you might be 
and that person is your sh- guides you through your your manhood ritual while you're up in the mountains for a while. Yeah, whatever, dude. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's all. And, well, and then it but then it takes a gay twist, right? Yeah, then it's yeah. about the, this the, the 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 lead character is you know uh, trying to become a man, but at the same time trying to hide his sexuality, and then of course finds out that his mentor is also yeah. hiding his, and then you get into all this the 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 secondary subject of you know what is masculinity and what is repressed sexuality and these tribal cultures and is there room for it and all those are all valid questions and all interesting questions uh but the 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 whole circumcision sequence is so haunting i just couldn't get through the rest of the movie without having that just burning a hole in my brain the psychosexual uh homo uh, erotic stuff is not really necessary here. oh just so disturbing uh then we've also got uh kills on wheels uh by attila till this is a um, this is a, presumably an action comedy, uh, although it really, really it it's it pushes the envelope. Uh, I've been to Hungary. I, I spent a little bit of time in Hungary, uh, and uh, the Hungarians are have a curious sense of humor. And this was submitted for the this was their official submission for the Academy Awards last year. And I'm and, and watching it, I'm thinking, what were you people thinking? <laughs> uh, really, truly, it you know. The idea is you have these kids who are disabled and you build this action comedy around them that turns into kind of a gangster comedy. And it's very, it really is on the edge. You kind of like, that's not funny. I know you think that's funny, but that's, oh, that's really not funny. (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm all about pushing the envelope with comedy, but boy, you kind of go, oh, I don't feel comfortable (sighs) laughing at people in wheelchairs. Uh there's a there's a there's a you, you can there's a right way and a wrong way to do that and this kind of ooh so Attila Till you've got some talent but um I don't know man it's it's uh it's it's a little bit it's it even pushes my buttons in a in a strange way oh. and then here here are my two favorites yes. Megray Megray Jean Gabin so George Simenon, the famous uh, Belgian writer, created this fantastic detective character uh, known as Maigret. And they made some uh, wonderful movies. Specifically, Maigret Sets a Trap and Maigret and the Saint Fiacre Case. Uh, these are really fun. Uh, director Jean Delanoy directed both of them, uh, both based on actual novels, not just the character. Uh, but they actually are adaptations of the novels, and they're just a whole lot of fun. And Jean Gabin is, is older in these films. Uh, you know, these are these are with him well past his prime. He's not in uh, in his uh, grand illusion uh, era anymore. These are you know late fifties, fifty eight and fifty nine, and um, it's a lot of fun. He really he just chews the scenery, and he has a lot of fun with the character. And it's you know crusty, and uh, especially Annie Girardot. If you're familiar with Annie Girardot, she's wonderful in the first film, Maigret Sets a Trap. Absolutely delightful. So, um, I, no extras here, but it, they don't, you don't need them. They're just really, really fun mysteries, and uh, it's all about watching Jean Gabin just be an amazing actor. Beautifully, beautifully made. Lots of fun. Uh, neat stuff. Cloverfield. Are we going to pop over some of these? Yeah, let's do the classic stuff. So, cl- yeah, Cloverfield and... and uh, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane or ten, both ten, out. And 10 Cloverfield Lane. Or you know what's, you know what's funny about, uh, you know, so Cloverfield, 10, uh, 4K Ultra HD. So Cloverfield, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, you know what's interesting to me about mm. these movies? Mm. Uh, I still have no idea what the hell is going on <laughs> in these movies. 
That's the whole point. I have no idea. So, I, and, and, you know, I, I suppose that's the thing. And, um, and, and sort of neat. What, which one do you like best? Oh, well, oh I'm, look, I'm biased. You know, uh, well, well, we Matt, know. Matt, Matt. Directed, Matt directed Cloverfield, and, uh, and Brian direct, produced Cloverfield. I know the people who made it. Yeah. I know how this film got made. It's like everybody that I know. Um, Call, these are, it was a calling card film for, for it, basically yeah. Matt had not directed a, a feature in a very long time he had done the, the pallbearer and then segued into television right mm-hmm. where he had where he directed just lots of pieces of episodic television and he had done uh, it co-created Felicity and Cloverfield was his getting back in the directing game the feature directing game and then that launched him into everything else and yeah. he was hot again yeah so and, it, and is you know yeah, there you go yeah. uh, Dan Trachtenberg of course uh, directed uh, uh, Ten Lane, uh, 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 the lane, lane. Uh, and his commentary track is on over there. Anyway, these are fun films, but but uh, once again, I watch these movies and I'm like, ah, whatever. Yeah, well, I I, you know, I think Cloverfield is very much a resume piece, and and it worked. Yeah, uh, it's it was the first of, of the quote unquote found footage movies. Uh, maybe not the very first one. I think uh, Wreck. I think Wreck. Well, actually, that no, that's right. Yeah, the, yeah Blair, the, Witch. Blair Witch first, was the first, first one. one. That's damn near twenty five years ago. Yeah. Then. And then Wreck, yeah. uh, the the like Mexican R- R-E-C, film, yeah. yeah, that that kind of that created a whole franchise uh, in in Mexico as well. But uh, yeah, Cloverfield really was the one that 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 hit it big at the yeah. box office. Yeah. It was a, you know it was a big budget thing. It was a monster movie, and it made that. And yeah, it it, it worked for him. It was it was terrific. Uh, we got a couple from the Vestron Video Collector series, which I absolutely adore because I remember all of these things when they were they were first in theaters and they were a big deal. And uh, this really takes me back to the video era. So Vestron Video Collector Series from Lionsgate. We start with Class of 1999. Yeah. And you know what? This is back when taglines were awesome. Uh, The ultimate teaching machine, out of control. Class of 1999. Uh, it's just so funny. 1999 did not turn out to be anything like this movie <laughs> predicted. Not even close. Yeah. Uh, Prince, Prince got it wrong, too, though. So. Yeah, everybody got it wrong. Anyway, Mark Lester uh, produced and directed this. Does an audio commentary that's an awful lot of fun. And uh, look, it's, it's, it's this is basically, you know, like Terminator High. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's, you know... Androids in high school and and uh, lots of really interesting effects and uh, it's you know it, it's it's just it's an excuse to do kind of teen action it's silly uh, gothic oh boy do I have a lot to say about gothic uh, uh, to, uh, who, Ken Russell Ken Russell yeah. yeah so gothic for the longest time held the distinct honor of being the worst movie I had ever seen in my life. <laughs> Until Natural Born Killers. <laughs> you hated Natural Born I Killers? I hated Natural Born Killers. And Natural Born Killers held that honored position uh, until uh, Postal. <laughs> Uwe, Uwe Bowles. Uwe Bowles. Bowles Postal is still distinctly the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, so Gothic is moving up. <laughs> it's uh, it's now third from the bottom. Mark, Mark has some great stories about Ken. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, look, here's the thing about Gothic. First, for those who don't know, there were two movies in the same 18-month period that dealt with this particular story. Uh, the other one was with Eric Roberts, and what was that called? Oh, I can't even remember. Um, the other one was sort of more tame and legit. Uh, gosh, I'm going to have to pull that title I'll, up. I'll look it up. Uh, but in, in any case, uh, the, the other film and the Gothic, they, they are both about the same night in 1816 at this Swiss villa. 
where some of the greatest authors uh, in history had a uh, Byron, the, yeah, B- Byron and Shelley and Mary Shelley. They 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 had this drug fueled orgy, and they all got delirious and hallucinated like mad on opium or whatever was going on. And then uh, the next morning. I think I'm gonna. Well, and and presumably, you know, uh, Frankenstein was birthed by this. Mary Shelley thought of Frankenstein during this, you know, hallucination, and you know, there are all of these. Uh, I, I, Dr. Polidori thought of something. Anyway, all these yeah. people thought up these great literary works out of this one drug-fueled evening. Ken Russell doesn't really care about any of that no. because Ken Russell was nuts. Uh, for those who don't know, we were supposed to interview Ken Russell <laughs> for uh, uh, Stupid for Movies. When Mark and I did Stupid for Movies, yeah. and you sat in on that yeah. a couple of times, too. So Ken Russell was in town for something at the Academy. We were supposed to interview him at the Lowe's Hotel in Santa Monica. So Corey, good friend Corey, Corey got down there with the crew first. Corey was there waiting. I was getting down there to interview Ken Russell. And as soon as I get there, Corey and everybody and the crew are sitting in the lobby, and Corey says to me, uh, he won't come out of his room. <laughs> so what do you mean he won't come out of his room? We talked to the publicist. He's, he's, he knows we're coming. He goes, no, no. We've, we've, they called up, and he hangs up on us. And uh, I went up, and I knocked on the door, and, and he yelled at me. What? What? I shouldn't have been surprised. It's Ken Russell. He's out of his mind. He's a lunatic. And he's you know getting senile at that time, too. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and uh, I called the publicist. And I said, you know, he's supposed to be at the Academy this evening, and we're supposed to talk to him before he goes. Could you tell me what's, what the deal is? And they're like, we're so sorry. We don't know. We have no-. <laughs> like, like the publicist was just apoplectic. She clueless. Had no idea what was going on. And <laughs> that evening, the, 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 uh, we didn't interview him. We, just, we gave up and went away. That evening at the Academy, the the interview with Russell was a train wreck. Oh, yeah. Was a train wreck. It's legendary. I think it's on YouTube. He's basically not answering any question. He's just laughing at the interviewer. He's just cackling like a madman on stage. It was a train wreck. Uh, Mark, Com- has, Ma- Mark actually has Mark audio. Mark was there. That's yeah. right. Mark recorded audio. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Audio. It's, 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 it's you can, insane. You can hear Ken Russell cackling from the stage, echoey. It's just, so he's just out of his mind. Uh, well. And Gothic is when he was going there. Yeah. When he made Altered States, he was still halfway in this realm. And then there's, like, Lair of the White Worm. And then we get to Gothic, and Gothic is just out of control. This movie is ridiculous. <laughs> And yet, I find it irresistible on a certain level. I hate it so much that I I just want to show it to people so that they can see what I'm talking about when when I when I I tell them no, you have not lived until you've heard Julian Sands scream, "It's decay. We've got to send it back." It's my. My my favorite awful line in movie history. Oh, it's decay. We've got to send it back. What does that even mean? And then Gabriel Byrne says, "No, look." I, like <laughs> here, I forget. I forget what 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 the actress's name is. What's the what's the other actress in this thing? I forget her name. Uh, oh, it's uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Miriam Lake. Sear. Miriam Sear. Yeah. So Mir- Natasha Richardson. Basically, it's yeah. Gabriel Byrne, Julian Sands, Natasha Richardson, Miriam Sear, and Timothy Spall. Timothy Spall, like, you know, at one point takes the, the cross off of the, the, the this bed. Is about, this is about 1986, by the way, about 85, 86. Completely whacked. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I saw this at a midnight showing at UCLA with my friends. And we stood And we got out at 2 in the morning, and we stood there in the quad until 3.30 in the morning screaming about how much we hated this movie. <laughs> so... 
We we honestly, I have a, I'm going on. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I swear I'm gonna tie this up in a second. So, uh, so Timothy Spall at one point he's lying in bed. He takes the crucifix off the wall behind him, revealing a nail, and then he takes his hand and he just like starts impaling his hand sadomasochistically on the nail. What? Yeah. At a certain certain point, Miriam Sear says, "Look into my eyes," and Gabriel Byrne says. I am. And she says, no, my eyes. And then she drops her top and they're like eyeballs instead of, of nipples blinking at him. It's <laughs> yeah. insane. And then, and then Miriam Sear at one point is crawling around naked with a rat in her mouth. Yeah. And, and Gabriel Byrne says, no, don't you see? She's trying to tell us to stand up to our fears. Yeah, you know. Uh... I know too much about this movie. It's insane. Coke was a hell of a drug. <laughs> Middle 80s. I know. I'm selling it, and I don't want to sell it. But anyway, it's gothic from the Vestron Video Collector series. Tim, I'm done. It's insane. It's, it is crazy. What's nut is uh, Hell Night, 1981, kind of just as crazy. But 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 meant to be uh, at least anyway. It's one of those um, uh, one of those movies where where college gals you yeah. have to have to go. They live in this house and, they, and there's a crazy old lady in there and a, there's a massacre yeah. of a family and she terrorizes them and all that. Whatever. Uh, uh, sort of a classic from the period. This is the collector's edition Blu-ray DVD combo pack for uh, Hell Night. Uh, special features: a 4K scan. Uh, from the best archival prints, several interviews, commentary with the cast and crew. So you know, I remember, I remember going to see this movie in 1981. I didn't like it in 1981. <laughs> right. Uh, <sighs> I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do with that. One million BC. Hal Roach, Hal Roach Jr. Uh, and Victor Mature in this uh, sort of really interesting movie, sort of prehistoric tale of survival and love between, uh, you know, these these this guy belonging to one sort of tr- prehistoric tribe and this woman belonging to a different tribe, the blonde tribe and the brunette tribe. <laughs> Basically, it's what they are. What I loved about these movies is nobody bothered to check with any paleontologist back right. in 1945 just right. to see what might actually make sense, you know, what kind of creatures we would put on the planet at the same time, but, you know... <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> what the hell have you got to do? Victor Mature, Carol Landis, and Lon Chaney Jr. on on this Blu-ray, which is actually pretty neat. You know, Victor Mature just never could act. Just oh, never, never, could. never. Just he never just had could. the face. That's he all used, he had. And he, and, he, and, he, and he knew it. He used to call himself Victor Manure when he talked about his his, his own performances. Oh, that's but, funny. But what the hell? You know, he he hung around for a while. This is pretty neat. Um, um, uh, I was looking to see if there's anything. No, nothing, nothing, nothing special on the Blu-ray. All right, so we're gonna we're getting short on time, so I'm gonna I'm gonna crank through uh, some of this uh, the remaining classic title stuff here real quickly. Uh, from Olive, we have the Nutcracker, uh, Nutcracker the motion picture. This was uh, this should have gotten to us in time for the holidays, yeah. did not, but still great. Directed by Carol Ballard, um, who of course is a, a, a shares my alma mater, UCLA. Carol Ballard, a fascinating director who just didn't have a a very pr- prolific career. Did the Black Stallion? Never Cry Wolf. Never Cry Wolf. Uh, a few other films. The uh, that uh, sailing thing with Matthew Modine. Oh yeah, um, uh, that actually because somebody got killed on that movie. It, 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 Wind Gen- and Jennifer Wind with Jennifer yeah. Grey as well. Yeah. But you know he just didn't make a lot of movies. He made some really good movies, but didn't make a lot of movies. So anyway, um, this is from 1986, and uh, he's basically doing the Nutcracker, and it's it's a it's a little bit of a diversion for him, but. Uh, you know, using members of the Pacific Northwest Ballet, and, uh, and it's primarily a performance film, but it is still, um, it's still really engaging, and it's still really wonderful to look at, and you just kind of can't go wrong 
you can't really can't go wrong with the Nutcracker. Um, it's kind of it's meant to be sort of a companion to the Maurice Sendak Nutcracker uh, book. So uh, worth checking out. 1986, definitely go. Uh, you know, at least grab this for uh, just for the Tchaikovsky music, if nothing else. And then we also have Bob Hope and Fernandel in a very unusual pairing with Anita Ekberg as the yeah. woman between them in Paris Holiday. Uh, really kind of an... I don't know who thought to pair Bob Bing, Hope and Fernandel. Bing must have been on concert tour. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, Fernandel was a huge European star. Mm. Bob Hope was a big global star. But I, it's a it's an odd thing to kind of put the two of them together. And yet it is a funny film. It's a very... Uh, it's kind of a, a minor comedy classic, um, you know, with Bob Hope as an actor who, you know, is trying to do some movie work, purchasing a screenplay in Paris. And uh, winds up getting into this kind of a caper, and then there's Fernandel and Anita Ekberg, and they have a lot of fun. And uh, it's it's actually not a bad film. So uh, it's it again 1958. It's a bit of a minor comedy, but it's fun. And um, from the Warner Archive collection, we have uh, both versions of Strictly Dishonorable. Uh, which are also both quite good, and uh, I'm glad they went and did this. Uh, if you're not familiar with Strictly Dishonorable, um, it's uh, it's kind of a it's one of those sophisticated comedies, and uh, it was done twice, two different films, both of them very very respectable, uh, neither of them dishonorable, and uh, they're worth checking out. The 1951 remake is probably my uh, preferred version. Personally. Janet Lee in that one. Yeah, it's it's quite good. Uh, you know, Janet Lee, uh, Ezio Pinza, um, Gail Robbins. Uh, that one, that one's really good. Um, the, uh, the the uh, they're both based on a stage play that was written by Preston Sturges, uh, but Preston Sturges didn't actually uh, make either of these movies. So that's a uh, you know that's kind of it's what that, that what that, in many respects that's sort of what. Um, uh, a lot of people have mourned is the fact that uh, you know Sturgis never got to do his version of this, yeah. but uh, nonetheless, the um, the fifty one version is uh, is is written and uh, directed by Melvin Frank and Norman Panama, both of whom are very very good directors, and uh, you know absolutely worth checking out. So anyway, uh, there it is. The uh, both versions of Strictly Dishonorable from the Warner Archive collection. We also have a comedy triple feature uh, of Jerry Lewis movies that you've probably never seen. These are the three that sort of get lost. Jenny, Jerry Lewis and Janet Lee and Three on a Couch. Uh, Jerry Lewis and Peter Lawford and Anne Francis in Hook, Line, and Sinker. And Jerry Lewis in the very underrated Don't Raise the Bridge, Lower the River, which I thought is, is just is so funny. Uh, I still love that film. I think it's absolutely great. Terry Thomas is in it. Yeah. You put Jerry Lewis and Terry Thomas in a movie together, You've Got Me Sold. That's directed by Jerry Paris, uh, who uh, otherwise is is best known for um, Happy Days. Yeah. Jerry, Lewis, Jerry Paris's son is actually a friend of mine. So I uh, just saw him the other day. We, huh? we, worked, we worked at the Man's National Theater together. I like uh, three on the couch. It, it, they're they're such fun yeah. films. Marianne Mobley, and then uh, Hollywood's greatest screen legends, fifty of the best actors and actresses of all time, show up in uh, twenty hours of biography. Julie Andrews, Catherine Hepburn, Lawrence Olivier, Cary Grant. Oh my gosh, it's four discs and on and on and on. You name the star, they they've got a little biographical sketch here. Um, it's a nice little sort of video reference thing to have on hand if you're if you're an old movie fan. So Hollywood's greatest screen legends, fifty of the best actresses and actors of all time. 
Locked and Loaded uh, is a four-barrel combo of really bad movies, which includes (laughs) uh, Second Command with uh, Van Damme, Red Sands Extraction, Operation Rogue, which is a Roger Corman-produced thing. None of these are any good. Um, But, you know, they, they are what they are. Uh, enjoy yourself. Knock yourself out. Uh, it, it's just something to put on in the background. And then the Durango Kid, 10 yeah. Western classics. Um, uh, you ever watch the Durango Kid? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the Durango Kid was the, was the um, alter ego of this sort of like mild. Yeah. It, was, it, was like super, it was like a Superman thing, only he was a cowboy. <laughs> so he, yeah. he was he was this he was this all mild mannered guy, and then he would take on the persona of the Durango key kid and go. They're all kind of the same, though. Yeah, they're the same. They're all from the nine, you know, nineteen forties and fifties. Yeah, Charles Charles Starrett, I think. Yeah, his name. yeah, Charles, Charles Starrett. Yeah. Starrett yeah. yeah, they're all kind of the same. He's kind of like the Lone Ranger, yeah. except less exciting and yeah. no no mask. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And and the thing of it is, I could never figure out how come everybody didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh you're oh uh, okay never mind yeah well anyway uh and i want to make quick uh not didn't get to our kid vid but i did want to uh put a put a couple of uh a couple of titles on the radar because uh, these have been these are worth uh, for nickelodeon fans nickelodeon has a lot of great stuff and we we watch nick stuff in our house we watch Young Einstein's a lot now, but uh, what we what my daughter does not watch are Mutant Ninja Turtle things. But Turtle fans will like uh, Tales of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the final chapters. Uh, this 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 is really quite aggressive animation, and I'm glad they've taken it in this direction. Um, this has Monsters vs. Mutants, the Samurai, Mutant Apocalypse. Uh, this is you know two discs. So they're they're kind of pushing the envelope a little bit on uh, on the Mutant Ninja Turtle uh, saga. So that is interesting. And then we also have, which my daughter will thoroughly enjoy, Nella the Princess Knight. Uh, this has a lenticular cover to make sure that you don't miss how cool and sweet and awesome Nella is. Uh, she's a she's a princess and she's a knight. <laughs> and uh, anyway, these are eight adventures from this very charming little little series uh, that kind of splits the difference between Disney's uh, Princess Sophia mm-hmm. and the um, uh, Ma- Pony My Little Pony My Little Pony people. Yeah, yeah. Those, that 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 nonsense. So it's kind of between those two worlds. It's not bad. And then uh, we got a couple of Scooby Doo things too. Be cool, Scooby Doo. Got be cool, Scooby Doo. Uh, teamwork, scream work, uh, which is the new Scooby Doo. Nah, not really a big fan of this. There's uh, 13 episodes of this new Scooby Doo series, which is not up to snuff with the old Scooby Doo series. But you know, if you if you're you're into it, yeah. And then uh, Scooby Doo, Batman, Scooby Doo, and Batman: The Brave and the Bold. Um, this is a crossover that Warner Brothers that has done. That is just crazy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this is this is better than this other new Scooby Doo, which I don't like the artwork on at all. Uh, but this also includes a couple of Scooby Doo um, vintage cartoons, including the Caped Crusader. Well, that's sweet. Uh, so I'm uh, I was I was glad that they went in that direction and uh, and gave us the vintage cartoons to kind of tune this thing up, and it's a lot of fun. So uh, with that, we are done, and we'll be back next week. Go us and check us out at uh, cinegods.com. Email us at gods at digigods.com. Yeah.